Welcome to this week's podcast from Free Chapel in Orange County. We hope that you enjoy this encouraging message. For more information on our church family, visit freechapel.org forward slash OC. First Peter chapter one, real quick. First Peter chapter one, I'll begin reading in verse six. In this you greatly rejoice, though now for a little while, whatever you're going through, it's a little while. A little while's coming. A little while's coming, and it'll be over. He said, there's some things you have to go through for a little while. And you have been grieved for a little while with various trials. Verse 7, that the genuineness of your faith being much more precious than gold that perishes, though it's tested by the fire. What's your faith? may be found, in other words, it'll produce praise, honor, and glory at the revelation of Jesus Christ. Oh, that's it. Not what he's done, but at the revelation of Jesus. Jesus Christ, we give you praise, honor, and glory for who you are. And I'll stop reading there. I want to talk to you for a few minutes on my faith is more precious than gold. Your faith, my faith, is more precious than gold. That's just the truth. We've got to learn how that we can be merry and happy and joyful no matter what's going on in life because if we've learned anything through the last two years, it's how uncertain life can be. And if you're waiting to probate your praise on perfect conditions, you're going to be a sad, discouraged, depressed person most of your life. You have to learn how to bring praise and honor and glory to, and live even in the midst of famine. The Bible said in Luke chapter 15, the story of the prodigal, that there was merriment. That word really caught my, caught my attention you remember when the prodigal came home and there was a famine going on? You remember when he came home and if he came home and the Bible said in the father's house there was merriment and joy and dancing and, and having a big time. Not because everything out there outside the walls of the father's house were perfect, but they had found something in the father's house that was more precious than gold. A famine was going on, but they were in there singing and dancing and jumping around like it's the greatest time in the world. I want to find that kind of happiness and merriment. But you've got to learn how to fight the famines in life. It'll come to all of us in one way or some area or another. Our faith is more precious than gold. Your faith is more important than your gold. We have elevated and put success and material things to, in such a position in our life, especially here in America, that if it's taken from us, it disturbs who we are and what our life is really about. But gold, the Bible said, there's something more precious than gold, and it's our faith. Gold comes through this time and pressure and fire. And after 
Our faith has been proven through fire and through pressure and through time. It becomes more precious. Jesus is more precious to me than anything in this world. And I'm not just saying it. He's more precious than gold. My faith. Faith is not faith until it's proven. Until faith is proven, it's cheap. The thing that makes faith gold to the believer is, the, is to endure a long time, a little while, really, in, in light of eternity and what God is doing, but to endure a long time and not lose your faith. The thing that makes it precious, makes it more precious than gold, makes your faith gold metal faith, is the fire and the pressure and the duration of that trial and when everybody feels like you've got a right to quit, you don't quit. In those moments, in God's eyes, your faith became gold. Your faith, and, and faith is the currency of heaven. You just got gold faith. The heroes of faith did not trust and did not go through the world with a 401k, a safety net, health care. They lived by faith. They knew that everything would be shaken. The definition of faith is to have a daily dependence upon God for everything. I'm not talking about you don't do your responsibilities and work and, and take care of everything that you're supposed to take care of. But when it's all said and done, if you're a person of faith, you have a daily dependence upon God. If you don't have a daily dependence upon God, if you don't think about him, it rarely crosses your mind, you are not walking in faith. Faith says, I don't care what I've got. I don't care how much money I've got. I have a daily dependence upon God. I don't care how much I've achieved. I don't care how much I've succeeded. I don't have it without, without you. I can do nothing. And boy, when you develop that kind of faith, God notices you. God targets you for his blessings. I thank God for my job, but my job is not my God. I thank God for my paycheck, but my paycheck is not my God. I thank God for my house, my cars, all that, but that is not my God. There's only one that deserves that I can really lean on and count on and depend on. If you take my faith from me, my gold is over. But if you take my gold from me and leave me my faith, I'm going to get some more gold. Because my faith is what blessed me anyhow through Jesus and the covenant. That's how, that's how you're blessed. It's my faith that causes me to prosper. Not my prosperity that causes me to have faith. And boy, we just like only good, good themes and good messages of blessing, blessing, blessing. And the truth is, you never get faith that is more precious than gold until you go through the fire. I, I, we, we, we've had all kinds of, we sit at the beginning of the year and we are really leading up to it. And with our teams, our executive teams. And we say, let's, let's pray and try to come up with a theme for the year. This is kind of funny. Uh, 
a theme for the year. What was the theme for the year that we had 2020 right before the pandemic hit? What was it? Open my eyes, Lord. We thought we would be cute. <laughs> we, we thought we would be cute. You know, 2020 vision. Doesn't that sound cute? Lord, open our eyes in 2020. That was the theme. Oh, boy. And then COVID hit. Good God. Did he open our eyes or did he open our eyes? But, but, but I, I, some of the things we've done through the years. Here, here's one. Everything's going to be fine in 09. <laughs> Here's another one. You're next in line. Here's another one. It's the year of new wine. Isn't that so faith building? But I got a new one for you. Here's my latest one. God's going to whip your behind. How about that one? The, the, whole, th the whole theme of the year. <laughs> but he's going to get some gold faith out of you. He's going to give you something that's more precious than anything this world can offer. I got faith if I lose, if I win, if I'm up, if I'm down. I've got, I want to shout about it. I, try, I, I really want to shout about what I got in Jesus alone. That's why it's almost a sin to be depressed if Jesus is your Savior. At some point, you need to understand. I'm not saying that God doesn't understand. We don't all go through low times and all of that. But at some point, there's something more precious than gold. It's Jesus. It's Jesus. We're in a time of proving. We're in a time when our praise must be based on God is good, not on all the circumstances being good. You have to learn how when you're facing times like these to depend on God and look to Him for everything. I think our nation is in some kind of cycle and I'm not convinced that we've hit bottom yet. I could be wrong. I'm not a prophet. But I do believe that in the body of Christ we're coming to these days where we better know how to handle ourselves no matter what's going on out there, what kind of famines are going on out there. We've got to connect ourselves to the Father and to faith that is more precious than gold. Faith has to be proven. What determines those that survive is how real their faith is. Either you learn how to deal with what's in front of you when it comes, or you give up. Trials come to get you to turn loose of your faith for gold. To get your eyes off Jesus. To get your eyes off of something of lesser, uh, get your eyes off Jesus for something of lesser faith. My faith is more valuable than anything that I have. See, a lot of times famine comes to qualify us for the next level that God has. And here's the important thing. Now, here's where I'm going, and, and we're going to go quick. Some people go into a famine down and come out up. 
Even in the natural, some, some of the major corporations have gone into hard times down and came out up. And some of them go into hard times down, up and come out down. Abraham in the Bible entered into a season where the Bible said a famine came. He went into it down. Nobody, nobody had ever heard of him. When he came out of the famine, he was called the father of faith and he was called blessed and the friend of God because he learned how to fight that famine with his faith. It redefined and actually raised him to a new place. It didn't destroy him. He went in down, he came out up. Isaac, his son, in Genesis 26, the Bible said, sowed in the time of famine, listen, in the time of famine, and reaped a hundredfold in the same year. The same year that other people were being destroyed and devastated and wiped out, here's one who went into the famine and he sowed, and the scripture said, he went in down, he came out up. Joseph comes along and the whole world goes into a famine. Egypt goes into a famine. But God saw Joseph and he was down going into the famine, down in a pit, stripped of his coat of favor, lost everything, falsely accused. But when the famine is over, he comes out on top, not the bottom. He was promoted because of the famine. There is a strategy that God can give us to fight the famine that is here in our lives in some area and in our nation. We don't have to be defeated. When Joseph came out, he came out on top. I'm saying to you today that famine brings an office, an, an offense, um, what am I trying to say? An authenticity. Authenticity. Get up here and try this. That is the first mistake I have ever made in my life. And you just witnessed it right on the front row. L let, me, let me put it another way. Famine brings a legitimacy <laughs> to our faith. Can I get an amen? amen? All right, now here's where I want to go. I want to go to the story of the prodigal son, and I want to show you something miraculous that you've got to see. Luke chapter 15 is the story of the prodigal son. The Bible said that there was the father's house. There's a father. There's a son. The son comes to the father and he says, I've had it. I'm going out. I want my inheritance. Give me what you've got. I want it now. I want it now. Give it to me. I'm leaving the father's house and I'm going to do my own thing. The prodigal son leaves with that inheritance and goes out to another place, another people, leaves the Father's house. Everybody say the Father's house. He leaves the safety, the blessing of the Father's house, and he goes. But notice there is a blessing still on him. 
Because the text says in Psalms, I've never seen the righteous forsaken, watch this, or his seed begging for bread. That boy didn't know he was going into a famine like he could not imagine. He thought he was going and he had it all. And he thought his gold was more precious than his faith. And he was trusting in that inheritance and I can go do my thing. But the Bible said that the father blessed him and when he left his house, I've never seen the righteous forsaken. The father was righteous or his seed. His seed meant the paternal blessing was on that boy even though he had left the father's house. This is the power of covenant when you come to church and raise your family in church, even if your seed, your children or your children's children or anybody in your family gets off, there is a blessing. I've never seen the righteous forsaken or his seed out begging for bread. That means he's going to the pig pen, the famine's gonna hit, and he won't be there long because there is something on him called a paternal blessing of covenant that will drive him back to the Father's house. The seed is connected to the blessing. When Elisha wanted a double portion, it did not come until he recognized his spiritual father. And he said, my father, my father. He said it to Elijah when he was being taken up in a fiery chariot. And when he said, my father, my father, the chariots of Israel and the horsemen thereof, a mantle fell on him and he received double portion. There had to come a recognition of the father. And we're in the father's house. Notice what a, what, a, what, a, what a father is. A father has a house in the story. The father's house. He's, he's a house builder. He builds the house of God. He had hired servants during the famine. Everybody else is laying off, but there's blessing on the father's house so real that they're hiring servants. More, 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 help wanted, help wanted. Not only that, he builds the house. A house is, is a place for family, a big place for family. A spiritual father is someone who builds the house. Hired servants does more than take care of himself. Does more than just his ministry, but hires and helps others find their ministry. Not only that, but there was a fathering anointing that, is, that, that still, I believe, is a part of the house. The father has a house. The fathering anointing is needed in the body of Christ today. This is not a time for little silly sermons. This is not a time for cute little things that don't mean much. You need some spiritual fathers in your life. Paul, the apostle, put it like this. Though you have 10,000 teachers, it's all right that you listen to this one and that one and listen to Joel and listen to Joyce and listen to TD and listen to this one and listen to that one. It's awesome. Get all of that you can but you have 10,000 different teachers, but you have not many fathers. And you're looking at Father Franklin before you right now. 
I may not have a collar on, but I'm going to tell you what, I'm old enough to be a spiritual father. And that's why I preach like I preach because I ain't got time to play games now. I ain't got time to get up here and be cute. I got to get real and help somebody get their self in line with God's plan and God's purpose. During a famine in the father's house, listen now, there was no lack. You want to you want to you want to connect yourself to a church like this. If it's not this one, you need to get somewhere and get under a fathering anointing and connect yourself to that because whatever comes out there, notice that in the father's house there was no lack. The Bible said there was bread enough to spare during the famine. The Bible said they had fatted calves. Everybody else is out there eating carrot sticks and, and, and they, they got fatted calves in the middle of a famine. They had nice clothes. I don't believe that. Read, what did the father put around the prodigal son? A robe. What did he put on his feet? Gucci shoes, that's my translation. What, 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 did he, what did he put on his hand? Look what they got bling bling in the middle of a famine. Putting the ring on the boy's hand. There's clothes, there's food, there's hired servants, there's housing. There's, there's, there, there, it's, it's a blessed place. Stay connected to the father's house. The evidence of a fathering anointing has to do with the capacity to build a house. Hired servants, making room for more than yourself, for ministry. And then the third and last thing is inheritance. There's inheritance where there's a spiritual father. There's another way of saying it is there's impartation. It means while I'm, while I'm standing here, and it's not about me, I'm not preaching about me, I'm preaching about a fathering anointing. That when it's on the pastors and when it doesn't matter how old they are, let no man despise your youth. It's when they're getting up preaching the word of God under the anointing. That is a fathering anointing. And it's powerful. Being connected to the fathers of the house, there's impartation. Impartation. Being connected helps you fight your famine. Now watch this. The spirit of the prodigal is different. Is different. Now, if I wanted another sermon, I'd call this pigs, prodigals, and papas. <laughs> because, because the prodigal son had this kind of spirit where he wants everything too quick. The prodigal son said, I want my inheritance and I want it now. Give it to me. I want it now. I can't afford it. That's the spirit to script America. I can't afford it, but I want it now. The, the, the spirit of the prodigal is one of entitlement. You owe me. I deserve it. You give me that inheritance. I don't want to work for it. I don't want to work hard. I probably can't make the payments, but I want it now. The spirit of the prodigal wants something before it's time. You're not ready for it. You can't pay the price for it. And it'll bring you into a famine season every time when you start living like that. God promotes. 
Promotion doesn't come from the East or the West. God promotes. And when you humble yourself under him, he raises you up. He blesses you. I mean, there used to be a time, the prodigal spirit, just let me preach a minute. I'm, I'm, I'm going to be a father. The, 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 the prodigal spirit says, I want it all now. I got a right to have it now. I got to have it now. I wrote down some things. I remember when before you could get a loan, you had to have 20% down before you could get a loan. I remember when the loan was according to your income. I, I remember when you had to have a steady job for years. Okay, we'll keep moving. But, but I hear couples now, we've been married two months and I want a brand new house. And I can't be rolling up on that brand new house and that old clinker of a car. I got to have a brand new car. I can't afford the payments on the house, but I got to keep up the image and have the car. And I can't be getting out of this car with these beat up nasty shoes, uh, these flip flop, hoppity pop. I can't wear this. I got to have some high heels with red bottoms. See, some of the problems we have ain't the devil. Excuse my English, but, but it ain't the devil. It's I got to have it now. The prodigal spirit is a spirit of entitlement. I deserve it. I'm entitled to it. Oh, we're going to go that route? Are we going to get what we're entitled to and what we all deserve under the sound of my voice? I'm going to tell you what you're ready for. Don't ask God for what you want. Ask God for what you can manage. Because if you're not managing yourself and you're single, and God, I want a man. I want a man. No, you don't want a man. You're not managing yourself. God, I want a woman. You're not ready for, for yourself. You can't handle you getting drunk every night, but you want, if I just had that woman, she's going to make you drink more. I promise she's going to make you drink more. You don't understand. I want a baby. No, you don't. If you can't manage you and the poodle, God doesn't give you what you want. He gives you what you manage. And when you manage a little bit, he'll give you a little bit more. God's a very astute business person. And he says, if you'll be faithful with a little, I'll give you more. I'll give you more. When, when God called me to preach and gave me the, the ministry that he gave me, I'm so glad when I went to free chapel 30 years ago, he didn't give me everything my dumb self asked for. I wanted millions. I wanted bless. I wanted not for myself. I really wanted a church and this and that. And, and God just, nah, just keep in a little while. <laughs> in a little while. Let me watch you. Let me watch you. Let me show you that gold isn't nothing. That it's I, what, your faith is more precious than gold. Let me let you go through ups and downs. Let me let you go through heartache and pain. Let me let you go. And, and, and now this ministry is blessed. We don't owe anybody anything. We've got money in the God has blessed us. But the Lord watched and, and, and we would take a portion. I had, uh, I have a real board of directors and, and I, and I had, I had one man on there, Don Bryant, and he just demanded 30 years ago. He was, he used to get on my nerves. I wanted to kick him off, but the Lord wouldn't let me. 
because he had wisdom. And he kept saying, we need to put some money back. We need, to, we need this, we need this, we need this. That's what it was me. He was saying, we need to put some money back. We need to get on a budget and budget a certain amount for the, for the rainy day. It's going to call the Don, it's, I called it the Don, the Don Fund. And I used to get in, I used to get in, I'd say, we need that money. We need that money. We need that money now. They was, no, we're not going to touch that. It's the greatest thing we ever did. Greatest thing we ever did. Does this sermon make any sense? Okay. All right. See, the father would have taught the prodigal how to manage his wealth. Would have taught him how to abound and how to be abased. Sometimes you need to go into survival mode. Sometimes you need to go into cutback mode. Sometimes you need to, sometimes you need to say, hey, we need to tighten up. We need to, this is getting crazy. This thing's getting out of balance here. I'm preaching better than you're letting on. Good preaching, brother Frank. If I can't get a Pentecostal amen, I'll take a Baptist nod. I'll take a Presbyterian eyebrow raise. Now watch. Watch, let me show you now. I'm almost done. And he can come to the music in exactly five minutes. Now watch this. The Bible said that the boy demanded, give me now. My name is Jimmy, Jimmy, Jimmy. Give me, give me, give me. I'm entitled. You owe me. He goes... And the Bible said, not many days afterward, this is in Luke 15, not many days afterward, he spent all of it in riotous living. That's what we're doing in this nation. Riotous living. You know, people got too much money. I read an article not too long ago where people were hiring a psychiatrist for their pet. I'm like, you got too much money. You just got too much money. Because broke people can't do that. I mean, you need a psychiatrist. I need a psychiatrist. I understand that. My dog needs a psychiatrist. I ain't going to pay for that. Even if I got the money, I'm not going to do that. I'm, it's just the principle of it. And all the pet owners hate me right now. But I'm just telling you. Pet rocks. They're buying pet rocks. Or they're calling psychic hotlines. Broke people don't call psychic hotlines. Just super wealthy people get them a personal psychic and bring them into their house. You're not talking to a psychic. You're talking to a demon. Just let me throw it out there. I don't care what you think. I don't care what you say. You don't play around with shamas. You don't play around with spells and witches. You don't play around with that stuff. It's not a, it may be a game to you, but it's not a game to the devil. All right, we'll keep moving. And the Bible said he spent the money on riotous living. The pride of the prodigal made him look like, he wanted to look like he was something he was not. So he, I'll buy all the drinks. I'll buy them all. Everybody, drinks on me. Can you see all the people following him? Got an entourage, spending, going to the mall. He's buying everybody's shoes, buying everybody's clothes. Oh, yeah, let's go to a party tonight. He's paying their way into the club. He's paying for the dope. He's paying for the weed. He's paying for all of it. And they're just having the biggest time. And he's just the most popular guy. He's the new kid on the block. 
And when he had spent all, there arose a famine in the land. Notice that the famine didn't put him in a broke position. The famine came when he was broke at the moment he could least afford it. And when the economy shifted, the prodigal son finds himself suddenly after he spent all, he thought he could go to his buddies. He thought he could go where he had gotten high and, 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 and thought he could go to his, his girlfriend that he had been shacking up with. She threw his stuff, all his clothes out the window and put the lock on the door. All his friends do not return his phone call. The Bible put it like this, and no man would help him. That, that, that verse blows my mind. All those people he parted with, all those people he got high with, all those people he slept with, all those people who said, man, me and you, I tell you. We're soul connection, baby. Ooh. And no person would help him. My question is, where's all the people? Because the friendship of this world will use you, abuse you, throw you away. You won't find that love except in the father's house. What did they do when he came home? The father came running with clothes, with shoes, with food. Kill the fatted calf. I heard the testimony of Hammer. Y'all remember Hammer time? You, ought to, he, he, you know, he got born again, gloriously saved. But he tells in his own words of how at one time when he was making 10s and 20s and 30s and 50, 100 million dollars, crazy wealth from his amazing gift that he had an entourage of 70 full-time friends that he paid. They, I'm not talking about band members or dance people. I'm talking about people that just kind of leached all his wealth out of him. And I couldn't help but think I wrote in my notes, hammer time. Because right in the middle, where are the people? And he told about when his house was being repoed. And when this was happening, none of those people were there. Well, I feel like preaching right here. Some of you have connected yourself to people. That you, you, you've abandoned your family. You've abandoned the fam father's house. You've abandoned everybody that's ever loved you and cared about you. And you think the world is going to offer you and Satan's going to offer you. The devil offers you his best first and then that which is worse. But with Jesus, he saves the best wine for the last. He gets sweeter as the days go by. Come on, somebody, and praise him. Come on, somebody. Come on, musicians. And when he came to himself, everybody shout, come to yourself. He said, I'm in famine. I'm in lack. I'm in want. But in my father's house, there's hired servants. There's fatted calves. There's bread enough to spare. He had a sense enough to know that in the father's house, there was more than enough. There's no famine there. I will return. I will return. I'm praying somebody will say it today before it's too late. I will return to my father's house. 
but he's going back with a different attitude. His pride is no longer there. The pride of the prodigal is gone. And he said, if I can just be a servant, I don't want to go back and be established as a son. If I could just, if I could just work out in the yard somewhere, if I could do the shrubbery, if I could do anything, if I could clean the latrine, I'd be thrilled. I just want to get back in the father's house. That pride was so broken, that's when you know somebody's repented. Because when you really repent, you don't come back with a, a, I demand, I demand. You come back with a total brokenness of, oh my God. And here's what the Lord told me to say. The United States of America, the church, can't tell God we're entitled to prosperity and blessing. If we don't put him first. And here's the thing. The pathway to prosperity begins by returning to the Father's house. And that's why what you're doing right here is so important. Because the fact that you're coming back to the Father's house says no matter what kind of famine's coming, as long as I stay connected to the house, there is no lack in the house. Return to prayer. Return to righteousness. Return to morality. Return to godliness. The famine that is coming will prove who has faith that is more precious than gold. In the house of fathers, there will be bread and fatted calves and rings and robes. And listen to this. I close with this. The purpose of the famine is to show us a difference between them and us. Malachi 3 says that you have one choice. What keeps the curse away? He said, and it shall be that I will turn the hearts of the fathers to the children and the hearts of the children back to the fathers. That there not be a curse in the land. What God is wanting us to do is not just turn back and go to church, but say as his children, turn my heart back to you. And the heart of the Father will turn back to you and come running with all these things will be taken care of when your faith is more precious than gold. This is, this is so important what I'm preaching today. Your heart has got to be turned back to the Father. And the pathway to prosperity for this nation and for you personally is connected to the path back to the Father's house. Every head bowed, every eye closed. Actually, I'm going to have you stand all over this building and overflow wherever you're at. Would you bow your heads all over this room? I feel the presence of the Lord in this place. There are people here this morning who are here by divine appointment. And you're in a famine. 
but there's something you're going to discover this morning that's more precious than gold. And that's the peace and the love and the forgiveness and the restoration that only Jesus can give. And I love how this story ends in Luke 15. Because when the boy came home, there was never a bringing up of his past. Only one who brought it up was the elder brother. The religious people. But the father said, call the musicians. Read it. Bring in the musical instruments. Kill the fatted calf. Let the music fill the Father's house with joy and merriment. Happiness. I know the famine's going on out there, but I want some joy in my house. I want some happy people in my house. I want some dancing in my house. I want some people realizing that their faith is more precious than gold. And even if their harvest is being eaten up out there, I got something more precious than gold that nothing can take away. My family's blessed. And I've never seen his seed without bread. Thank you for listening to this week's podcast. To watch our latest message, be sure to subscribe to our YouTube channel. To stay connected, follow us on Instagram and Facebook at Free Chapel OC.